Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. times in been a few times in my ministry where I just felt like what I had planned was not what God wanted to do and I've got a ton of good stuff in this message I'm just telling you there's lots of great stuff but we're not even going to go there there's just a couple passages of scripture that I just feel like God wants to highlight if you want the notes that what I was going to talk about today see me later but the songs that we sang today, and especially this last one, it, it mirrors in the book of Revelation as John is getting a vision of the end. Just before Jesus returns is the revelation of glory in heaven. The angels are around the throne singing, holy, holy, holy are you God. You want to know why they sing that over and 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 over again is because he's holy holy. There's no one like Him. There's nothing like Him. There's nothing on this earth that compares to how good and awesome God is. Reese, let's kill the lights again. I just want to create an atmosphere of prayer. This is just, this is the presence of the Lord. And I know He's here. I can, I can feel Him all over this room. God, we welcome you into this room. That the four walls of this building, God, would be your tabernacle this morning. That you would visit us this morning. Just that line that we would get a glimpse of glory yet again. God, this is what's been on my heart all week. going to be the last message of this series in the names of God, and we're going to look at the most important one. We're going to look at His holiness, because it's tied to this name. When God called Moses out of the burning bush, when God called him, Moses had all sorts of questions, all sorts of excuses as to why he wasn't qualified. He had all sorts of reasons why God should have chosen someone else. 
And you know, before God even called him, he told him, that's far enough. Moses is seeing the burning bush, and he's like, man, this is a crazy sign. I'm going to go investigate this thing. And Moses goes forward, and God says, oh, oh, oh Moses, that's, that's close enough. That's close enough because the ground in which you stand is holy ground. And the reality of God's holiness is that it's not something to be taken for granted. It's not something to be taken lightly. Because God's holiness, His glory, is devastating to unrighteousness. It's devastating. In Ezekiel chapter 44, verse 19, this is a picture of the third temple, the end time temple, as God is giving the prophet. He says this as he's instructing the prophet on how to tell the people when the temple's rebuilt, when all these sacrifices and things are going on again, here's what you're going to do. He gives the priests a specific instruction in Ezekiel 44, 19. He says, when the priests return to the outer courtyard where the people are after doing their ceremonies, offering their sacrifices, after ministering to the people, he says, they must take off the clothes they wear while ministering in the presence of God. And he says, you must leave those sacred garments in the sacred, sacred rooms and put on other clothes so you do not endanger anyone by transmitting holiness to them. Because God's holiness and unrighteousness is like fire meeting gasoline. It's an instantaneous combustion. So as Moses is approaching God and the fires in the bush, he says, stop Moses. Don't come any closer. Why? Because if he had, he'd be vaporized. That's how insane God's holiness is. God's glory is. And out of that, God calls Moses to be the leader, to lead Israel out of bondage, out of slavery, and into the promised land. And we know the story. It's a pivotal moment in Israel's life. But what we know about Israel is that they take God's glory for granted. God's on the mountain, fire, smoke whirlwind, lightning. He's on the mountain because he's presenting himself to his people to call them into a relationship. And while he's on the mountain, you can see, like if you go to Mount Sinai, you can see the mountain, but also you can also see where they built an altar and were worshiping a golden calf. Like I don't, I don't get that. I don't get how you see God and you say, I'd rather have this over here. But don't we do that every day of our lives? Every day. The presence of God is with his people. And God says, you can have, you can have my presence. And we turn and we go another way. Well, the whole drama with the golden calf ensues. God's ticked off. God tells Moses, you know what? If they're going to take me for granted, I'm done with them. I'm going to start over with you. I'm just going to kill them all. And Moses, you're going to be the great nation. I'm going to start everything over with you. We'll, we'll, I'll send my angel before you. He'll clear the promised land. You won't even have to lift a finger. I'll clear the promised land out, and we'll start everything over with you. And Moses was broken over that command. 
He was broken over that command, and so he intercedes for the people, and God ultimately changes his mind. And I just, I've always been grouped in my heart that God, may I have a relationship with you in such a way that when it comes to your judgment, I'd be able to change your mind. But in Exodus 33.3, here's what God tells Moses. He says, go up to this land that flows with milk and honey. Go on up. Lead, go on up. Go take, take yourself there. Go start over. But he says, I will not travel among you. You take the people and you guys go. But I can't go with you. Why? For you're stubborn and rebellious. And if I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. In other words, what he's saying is, your rebellion and my presence can't hang. You'll die. I mean, that's the ultimate reason why he had them build the tabernacle and build the Ark of the Covenant. is so that they could purify a sacred space where God could dwell among his people. And he's saying, I'm done with all of this. You, I don't care about that anymore. If I go with you, I'm going to end up destroying you all because you're unfit for my presence. You're unfit for my glory. And you know how that would have struck them in their heart to wake up to realize, what have we done? We just lost the greatest gift in all the world. We just lost God being in our midst. He's not going to go with us anymore. And if you continue reading in Exodus 33, verse 8 through 10, as Moses continues to meet with God in the tent. It says, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up. Each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he'd gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his own tent. Think about what's happening. God just said, I'm not going with you. I'm not going with you. I will destroy you if I go. And so every time God showed up, they stood in awe. Oh my gosh, there's the presence. Let's worship the Lord. Why? Because they didn't know if this would be the last opportunity they would get to see the glory of the Lord. And so they would worship, they would cry, they would bow down, they would, they would sing God's praise until the cloud would lift. When was the last time you were so desperate for the presence of God that you stopped everything you were doing and worshipped and praised for fear that this might be the last opportunity you would have? Oh, but man, we got lunch in 10 minutes. God's glory is not to be taken for granted. You know, Moses was rather insecure. I relate a lot with Moses, especially this morning. He was insecure about who he was. He was insecure about his calling. But the thing he was the most insecure about was his relationship with God. Because God gave him all this stuff to do, and he was expected to do it, but he didn't know if God was going to keep his end of the bargain. And so in Exodus 33, in verse 12, it says, One day Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you'll send with me. You've told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. But if that's true, if you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. 
And remember that this nation is your very own people. Moses says, God, I know I belong to you. I'm not quite sure you belong to me. So if I truly have favor with you, God, let me know you. Let me know you. I know you know me. You're God. But God, I want to know you. And anyone who studies the Bible knows when it says to know you in the biblical sense, that's more than just factual knowledge. That's more than just memorizing verses and learning about archaeology. This is an intimate desire. This is the transparency between a husband and wife. This is an intimate knowledge that you can only know through an intimate relationship. He's saying, God, I want to know you. I want to know you deeply. I want to know you intimately. God, if I have favor on you, let me know you. And I would say the reason why many of us struggle with our relationship with God and security in our relationship with God is because we don't really know Him. We know about Him. We learn all sorts of facts and figures. We read books. But as far as knowing God on an intimate level, we're wanting. And I just wonder if that's the same cry in our hearts that was the cry in Moses' heart. God, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you more than facts and figures. I want to know you more than my five-minute devotional. God, I want to know you, God. I want to know you so intimately that there's no doubt in my mind that not only do I belong to you, but you belong to me. And then he says in verse 15, because if you don't go with us, don't make us leave this place. I don't care if I stay in the desert the rest of my life if I have your presence. You can save the promised land. You can save all your gifts because the ultimate gift is you. And as long as I have you, I'll be okay wherever I am. God, if you don't go with us, how are we going to be set apart from any of the other nations in the earth? Do we believe that? Do we believe that if we don't have God's presence then we're no different than anyone else in all the world. I'm so glad the Lord continues and says to Moses, I'll indeed do what you've asked. For I look favorably on you. I know you by name. And Moses responded, Then God, show me your glorious presence. Let me know you. Show me your glory. And God responds to Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, Yahweh. And I will call it out before you, and I will show mercy to anyone I choose. I'll show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. My glory's too great for you to handle it all, but I'll give you all you can handle. I'll give you everything you can handle. I'll pass before you and I'll shield you in the rock until I've passed before you, until it's safe for you to see. And then I'll remove my hand and you can see my glory. You can know me. Do you know in this moment, what God does is he becomes transparent to Moses. 
Moses had seen him on the mountain. Moses had seen him in the tent, but he knew that he was veiled to a degree. He didn't know God as deeply as he knew he could know God. And here God says, I'm going to show you everything I am. I'm going to be naked before you, Moses, and you'll get to see me in all of my glory. And God was confirming to Moses, I'll be your God. You will be my people. You will belong to me, and I will belong to you. And as I reveal my glory, I'm going to declare my name Yahweh. Why? Because my name is intrinsic. It's attached to who I am. My name reveals my glory. My name holds the secret to my glory. All my goodness is contained in my name, and my name is glorious. I want to show you a picture of the name of God written in the ancient language. This is His name. This is Yahweh in the Hebrew language. It's yod Hey vav Hey. Those are the letters of the, of the Hebrew language. In the Hebrew language, they read from right to left instead of left to right as we do. yod Hey vav Hey. This letter here on the right, that is a hand. In the symbolism of the ancient Hebrew, each letter had a name. It also had a number. It's an incredibly intricate language. But that picture represents a hand. This little crazy guy, that, that is a, a, a word. It means behold. So you have a hand, and then you have behold. That little Y in the middle is not a Y. It's a nail in the ancient language. And then the jumpy guy over there, it's behold again. So if you think about it, he says, I will declare my name. I will declare my goodness before you. And my name is Yahweh. And when you look at his name, what does it say? It says, hand, behold, nail, behold. If we were to translate that into English, it's behold the hand, behold the nail. God in his divinity, God in his glory is prophesying to us that there is a revelation of glory yet to come. You cannot see my face, Moses, because it will destroy you. But there is a greater revelation coming. In Jude chapter 5, Jude says, I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel out of Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. Jude is telling us that that same God in the desert, on the mountain in fire, that same pillar of cloud by day and fire by night, that same God who rested on top of the Ark of the Covenant, that same God who hid me in the cleft of the rock, that's not just Yahweh. God, but that's the one we know as Jesus Christ, our Lord. In Hebrews chapter 1, the writer of Hebrews says that the Father says to the Son, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth. You made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing, and you will fold them up like a cloak and disregard them like old clothing, but you are always the same. You will live forever. What's the writer of Hebrews saying? He's saying the Son of God is not just a man. He's God in the flesh, and he's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He was before time. He is present, and he is yet to come, that he's that same God, Elohim, who created the heavens and the earth. And the question I have is, did Jesus ever claim this to himself? Did Jesus ever reveal this to his disciples? And the answer is yes. In John 8, 58, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was, I am. That is, the in the Greek language, it's the same name as yod Hey vav Hey, i am Yahweh God. 
Jesus is the revelation of God himself. And what I love is in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus also reveals his glory to his disciples who are brought on top of another mountain. And in a moment, his face and his visage was changed. His appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun. And Peter, James, and John, his inner circle, were there to see it all. They see him change. And when the cloud of glory surrounded him and the Father spoke, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased to say they were terrified and they fell to the ground. Why? Because no one looks in the face of God and lives. They were face to face with the glory. And this so overwhelmed John. In John chapter 1, verse 14, he writes in his gospel, The word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love. And we have seen his what? We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. On this mountaintop, Jesus is revealed as Yahweh God. As Yahweh God. That name Yahweh means I am who I am. I exist to exist. You want to know why you're here? It's because Yahweh. You exist because God exists to make all things exist. Jesus is that same God. And when he came into the flesh, that name Yahweh will remain of infinite significance. But there's another name that's even greater than Yahweh. Philippians 2 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God's elevated him to the place of honor and gave him a name which is above every other name. At the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue would con confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Hebrews held on to the name Yahweh is the most holy name, but when Jesus showed up and he gave his life on the cross and he conquered death and he rose again, he took upon himself the name that was above every other name. Did you know that Jesus has authority over death? Did you know that Jesus' name has authority over sin? Did did you know Jesus' name has authority over disease? Did you know Jesus' name has authority over the enemy kingdom and all principality and power of the unseen world? Did you know Jesus' name has the power to break through? Jesus' name is the name that's above every other name. And just as God, in revealing his glory, made this invitation to Moses to know him, he makes the same invitation to you that you can know God as well. That you've been chosen, you've been called into something that is the greatest gift we could ever know. And that's a relationship with God Almighty. That you can belong to Him and that He can belong to you. Acts says there's no salvation in anyone else that God's given no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. It's Jesus. Acts 2.21, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, a Jesus, will be saved. And in John 1, verse 12, it says, as many as received him, who? Jesus. To them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his 
name. The name of Jesus is powerful. When you put your faith in Yahweh, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ the Lord, you'll be on unshakable ground. Because not only will you know who you are and who you belong to, but you'll also know who belongs to you. And that's Christ the Lord. And here's the blessing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could what? We could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Christ Jesus. No one sees the face of of God and lives. But when we stare into the face of the Son, when you look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, you see God in His glory. You see the exact likeness of the invisible God. You see the glory that was shielded from Moses. You see it in full effect in the face of Christ Jesus. And God wants to make that same glory, that same light, not just fill you, but overflow you. He wants to reveal His glory to you, and He wants to use you to reveal His glory to other people. And the question I have is, do you hunger for the presence of God? Are you desperate? Are you desperate? Do you know He lives within you? Do you know that you're not just known by Him, but that you belong to Him and He belongs to you? The name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. The name of Jesus has authority over all things, over all creation, over every circumstance in your life. Why? Because He is Elohim. He is El Shaddai, God Almighty. Jesus is El Roy. He sees your every need. His name is Jehovah Jireh. He provides through His glorious riches in heaven. His name heals. His name brings breakthrough. He opens prison doors and he sets the captive free. He gives sight to the blind. He gives us righteousness and cleanses us from all wickedness. He makes us holy as he is holy so we can stand in his glory. And all you have to do is trust him. Believe on his name. Yahweh is Jesus, and Jesus is Yahweh, and he suffered with you, and he suffered for you, so you can behold his glory. My heart, it's been aching this week, just hungering for God to reveal his glory. My heart aches because I know that how fickle I am and how fickle we are as people. We're just like the people of Israel. Our hunger only goes so far. Our patience only goes so far. And then we start chasing other things because God doesn't give us what we want when we want him to give it to us. But I just, I just wonder if we could just hang in there a little longer. 
we could hunger a little longer, if we could be desperate a little longer, and we could continue to cry out a little longer, that if God wouldn't visit us the way he visited them, that the Spirit of God would be poured out back then the same way he could be poured out today. And I just wonder that if we worship God with that same, that same hunger, that same fire, if God might not shake this place and shake this foundation and reveal his glory afresh in our time and in our day. And as he's shaking this place, he would send us out to shake the rest of the world to really bring heaven to earth. And I just believe God's revealing glory now. That he wants to reveal his glory. The spirit of God's been poured out. And he's being poured out in this place to reveal his glory. And so my invitation to us today as we just stand in awe of who he is. It's Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. This is an invitation to the people of God. It says, since we're receiving a kingdom that's unshakable. Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. Holy fear knowing that God's presence could end us. Holy awe that God, there is none like you. You are the greatest gift. You are the ultimate desire we could have. You're the ultimate fulfillment we could have. And so we just stand in awe of your glory and your goodness. Because our God is a devouring fire. He's a consuming fire. And that same Jesus, as he was taken up to heaven, he's coming back again. He's coming. And when he's coming, he's coming with all the angels of heaven. And when he's coming, he's coming to literally bring heaven to earth. And his glory will be manifest on the earth. But until that day, let us be hungry and pursuing the presence that he's poured out through the Holy Spirit. And let us worship him in spirit and truth. And let us come hungry. Lord, may we be hungry. And when we come, God, as we open our mouths to praise, God, may you fill us up. May you fill us to the overflow. God, I'm tired of church as usual. God, I'm tired of the same old thing. God, I'm tired of showing up and, and, and exhausting myself and walking away not knowing whether or not I met with you today. God, if you don't go with us, there's no point. If you're not with us, this is a wasted effort. So God, we come to you and we call on you. We call on the name of Yahweh God. We call on the name of Jesus Christ. And we say, God, show us your glory. Show us your glory. We want to know you. We know that you know us. You are, you are the God Almighty. You have infinite knowledge and wisdom. You, you knew us before the foundation of the earth and you purposed a plan for our lives before the world was created. God, we know you know us. And we know that through Jesus we have favor with you because Jesus has cleansed us of all unrighteousness. He's restored our relationship with you. By his death we are made clean and by his resurrection we have new life. God, we, we know this to be true but what we need to know, God, is that you belong to us the same way you revealed Moses. God, we're after your glory. We want to know you. We want to be like you. So we're asking for greater revelation. Holy Spirit, 
we're asking for a greater anointing. We don't want to be the same. We don't want to be lost in the world. We want to, be, we want to burn for you. So light us up. Light us up. We're tired of being insecure, fearful, worrying about if we say the wrong thing, what the world might want to say. God, why do we care about people who are going to hell? Why do we care? Because we're their only hope to get to heaven. You've given us and entrusted us the gospel message. God, it doesn't matter what they think. What matters is where they're going. And I'm tired of living in fear. I'm tired of worrying about what other people think. I'm tired about whether, you know, people are going to judge me for this or that. I'm tired of being insecure. God, what did you do to make Moses secure? You showed him your glory. So we're asking for glory, God. We're asking for a greater measure of glory, a greater anointing, God. We're asking you, Jesus, to make this word come alive in us. God, that religion is done. Religion is over, God, that this relationship propels us into the purpose and plan that you've had for our lives. God, Vertical Life Church exists to make you famous in this region. God, set us up. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. That's the cry of our heart. You alone are God. There is none like you. There is none beside you. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us. Pour it out. Break our hearts, God. Peel the scales off our eyes. The things we've been doing to numb us to your voice. God, open our ears to give us the ears of a disciple. God, give us a heart that's hungry for you. God, we're tired of worshiping at the altar of comfort and being afraid of being uncomfortable, God. You've called us to take up our cross and to follow you. But God, we've gotten lazy in the kingdom. God, forgive us and now change us, Lord Jesus. God, I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to blend in. God, I want to be on fire. And I know you want a church that's on fire. So God, as the best as we know how, we're calling on you to light us up. Fill us. Break us. Bring us to repentance. Bring us to our knees. God, give us a hunger and a desperation. God, give us that desperation that the Israelites had when you were visiting Moses in the tent. That if we stop singing, if we stop praising, if we stop going after your goodness, God, that we may not have another opportunity. God, fill us. Light us on fire. Light us up. God, we ask you 
believing your word where you said if we ask anything in your name, you're going to do it. So God, we're going to hold you to your word. We ask this in the name that is above every name. We ask this in the name of your dearly beloved son in whom you're well pleased. God, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. That you would fill us and you would break us. That you would heal us and that you would empower us. And we're asking for it now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can you sing that chorus, Tom? Worthy alone, another glimpse of God. Sing once more, worthy, worthy, mm. worthy Lord, forever, Are we hungry for it? Do we really want it?
just take a moment just to praise the Lord. Let a cry from your heart just express to Him. Just declare it out loud. Just, just to tell Him how good He is. Tell Him, tell Him that you love Him. Whatever is in your heart, let's just take a moment to give praise to the Lord in our own way. And just fill this place with the praise of God. Just feel a sense, just a weight in the presence of the Lord. Psalm says, be still and know that I am God. So often we look for big expressions of glory and holiness, but God says, be still and know that I am God. So Lord, we just wait on you.
thank you. Thank you, Lord. Let the awe of your presence return to your church. May we remember and know why we come. We come to meet with you. We come to meet with you. To know you. As we are known by you. I just believe you are doing a work in our hearts. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you meet us right where we're at. For some, this is a stretch. But you're seeding something in their heart. They know it. They know that there's something different. I can just see it. It's just like a little tiny seed that you're beginning to seed in their hearts. That there's something more. There's something greater. There's something bigger than what they've experienced before. It's not about all the rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. That there is a greater revelation that you have prepared for them. And you're beginning to plant that seed in their heart. And God, I just pray that you would water it, God. That you would water it with your word. You would water it with your presence, God. And that you'd birth that hunger for your presence in them even now, God. That, that you would give exponential increase in growth to that seed in the name of Jesus. And God, I just, I just know that you're tearing down walls of hurt and pain right now. I know that, I just sense it. I just sense that there are some people that came in here with a heavy heart. Lord, I know I had a heavy heart today because of this burden. And, and I'm so thankful for friends that come around you and support you and encourage you and pray for you, Lord. And I just know that you're breaking off hardness right now. That there, even right now, there's just somebody I know you're touching, and I know they know I'm talking about them right now. God, there is there's a person who is who is being lifted from their burden right now as you are breaking it down and you are revealing your glory and your presence to them. That you're renewing their identity as a child of God. They're seeing that they're not a castaway, they're not rejected, God, but they are called and purposed and known. And God, I just pray that that revelation would grow, that they would see that that they're encountering your presence right now. And that they, that they can know the living one, the maker of heaven and earth, God. And that there's more than this, that there's more than this. God, I'm so thankful that you are a father to the fatherless and that you are a friend to the lonely, God. And, you, and that you are closer than a brother, God. And I'm so thankful for what you're doing in their heart right now. God, I'm thinking that you're unwriting the words unworthy on somebody's heart right now. You're unwriting those words. And you're removing that. And I'm thankful, God, that you're placing on their heart the name of Jesus. Because it's Jesus who makes us worthy. It's Jesus who makes us qualified. It's Jesus and his name upon us. God, you're writing his name on their heart. And you're helping them see, like, it's okay if you have lack, it's okay if, you, if you're not enough because I am who I am. I am who I am. And the I am is with you. The great I am is with you. And he's not going anywhere. And I thank you, God. I pray that you would, you would write that deep in their heart, God. You engrave your name on their heart that they would know that they're worthy because you're worthy. 
and I just hear you saying the, just the words, you are redeemed. There's someone here, God, that is dealing with their past that just feels completely a mess because of mistakes that they've made, things that they've done that they've not forgiven themselves for. And I just believe, God, that that word is for them. You're declaring you are redeemed. You have been completely forgiven. You've been completely cleansed. When you confessed your sin and asked for forgiveness, the Lord has done the thing that you asked according to his word. You are completely cleansed of all unrighteousness. And in Christ, you are redeemed. You weren't once pure. You are pure. Be still and know that He is God. I just hear the Lord saying that there's unbelief in this room. And I just believe the Lord is revealing that because He wants to show you that you can trust Him. That you can trust His Word. And I hear Him saying that He cares. I don't know what, who that's for. Maybe you're praying right now, God, if you, maybe you're struggling with your faith because you've gone through something and you just feel like God's abandoned you or that he, if he cared for you, he wouldn't have let you go through that. But I just hear the Lord saying, I care. I do care. And what I know from the word of God is that he goes through everything with us. And he's near to the brokenhearted. And so I know the Lord is with you and he does care. He sees. He's Elroy. He sees. He sees, he knows, and he cares. And he sees you. And he loves you. And he has more for you. And you can trust him. And you can put your hope in him. You can put your hope in Jesus. Because he'll never fail. He'll always do what he says. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Again and again, to the end of time and beyond. Lord, we join with the angels and we say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and is to come. We love you, Jesus. church we want to say thank you for listening if this ministry has blessed you in any way please consider making a tax-deductible donation to www.blchurch.tv forward slash give thank you and god bless